Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 15. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How's it going, Federico? Hello, Ryan. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Enjoying the Christmas season, the holiday season. Mm. Uh, this is my favorite time of year, and uh, I'm excited about that, and excited about the new year coming. There's mm-hmm. lots of you know reflecting on the year that's almost over, thinking about the year ahead, just planning and dreaming about all that. I, I, I just love this time of year, so it's, it's all yeah. great. You know, I don't disagree. It's always a good um, opportunity um, for me specifically to take stock of like all the things that have changed in terms of like my technology setup over the past few months, because it always feels like, specifically at Mac Stories, um, we spend the entire summer writing about upcoming software updates. Then September and October roll over, and there's new iPhones, new Apple Watches, in this case also new AirPods, new accessories, and so we got to take care of those. Then it's November, and we start planning like things for the end of the year, like our uh, Mac Stories selects awards and you know a bunch of other things that we want to do before the year is over. And then it's December, and then it's the holidays, And I still feel like I barely had the time to check out all of these apps that have launched since September and all of these games on Apple Arcade. And it's always a good time for me, you know, the the couple of weeks that we take off, it's always a good time to sit back, uh, take a look at my iPhone and my iPad finally because I have the time and plan a few ideas for the next year. It's always fun. And I always come back at the end of the process with um, new shortcuts usually or new automations or new gadgets in my life so that's always fun yeah there's so much that happens between wwdc and then all of the fall product launches it's like for me i mean i know you with ios and ipad os you kind of have the whole summer to dive in deep and use those and write about them and i'm using them all summer but i still feel like it's not until after the fall that i really can start thinking about all the new things that I haven't really spent much time with yet and and really spend some time figuring out how it can all fit into my life going forward. Um, I, I keep a note when I'm actually uh, working through your iOS review of different little tips and tricks that I want to try to implement into the way I use my iPad. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I checked out that note recently and it's like, oh, I need to start you know learning these things um, because they're, they're great tips that that could be helpful. I just, uh, you know, haven't implemented them yet. So it's always good to do that around the end of the year. Um, and another thing that's always great to do around the end of the year, which we're going to spend some time doing today, is thinking about what we would like to see Apple do in the new year ahead. More specifically, mm. what are the things that we would like to happen with the iPad in 2020, mm. both from a software standpoint and, of course, hardware? Uh, we didn't get new iPad Pro hardware this year, which I think is probably okay. We got a really great update at the end of 2018, but I, I know you and I are both looking forward to something uh, coming, hopefully in 2020. And then mm. software, we have iPad OS now for the very first time, and we assume there's going to be an iPad OS 14 next summer. So there's there's a lot that we can talk about. That are a lot of wish casting we can do, uh, sharing what we hope to see from the iPad going forward. And so we're going to spend a little time doing that today. Yes. Uh, what a better occasion. Here's what, how I'm going to preface this topic. What a better occasion for Apple to unveil a modernized iPad vision, whether it's about hardware or software, 
than the iPad's 10th anniversary. The iPad, and this to me sounds incredible because it doesn't feel like it, but the iPad will turn 10 in 2020. So whether you consider January 27th, uh, which is the original iPad announcement event, January 27th, 2010, or I want to say April 3rd, when the iPad actually came out in the US, uh, the iPad is going to turn 10 next year. So first decade of iPad, which is um, a pretty remarkable um, milestone, I think. And if anything, we've, we've seen, you know, the past decade of iPad, I think we've seen a lot of ups and downs. Very famously, the device launched and it started setting all of these records, like the fastest selling electronics products uh, of a, you know of the of the century, or um, the the fastest selling uh, fastest selling tablet ever made. Um, but then, you know, we've seen the iPad sort of uh, not get the attention that it deserved, and then it came back in 2015 with the iPad Pro. And then it stopped again in 2016, and then it came back again with with iOS 11, and then we got iPadOS. It's been a roller coaster of a, of a decade for iPad users, and uh, my really my main wish is for Apple to begin the second decade of iPad as a decade of maturity with a new vision, and I want to believe that the fact that we got iPadOS in 2019 is the first step toward that vision of we're going to separate iOS and iPadOS. 2020, we're going to have new iPad Pro hardware that is going to sort of set uh, the trajectory for the next few years, and we're going to keep building on top of iPadOS 13. So I think it's pretty remarkable that the iPad is already a 10-year-old product, uh, but there's a lot more that I want to see, and I would like to start by talking about multitasking, there's been a lot of improvements, arguably, to multitasking in iPadOS uh, 13. Multi-window, I don't use as much as I thought I would use, but also I think that's due to my line of work. I just prefer to work with one or two windows at a time. When I'm working on an article, in my text editor, I really don't need to have multiple windows open for my text editor. But there's also been times where I've enjoyed the ability of having multiple Safari windows or multiple mail windows open at the same time. Still, I do think there's room for improvement in terms of how the iPad software presents and lets you manage um, apps and windows that you have open. The first thing I would like to see is more flexibility in terms of managing windows that you see in the app switcher. So I would love to be able to, uh, in addition to closing windows by swiping them up, I would love to be able to be able to recombine them from the app switcher. So let me pick up a window from the app switcher, drag it on top of another, and create a split view from there. So let me give me more freedom, give me more gestures to manage the multitasking UI right there. Um, and in addition to that, I would love to have search to be able to search for apps or windows by name. And I would love to have the ability to create fixed or if you will call them favorite spaces. So persistent combinations of apps, sort of like presets for Windows. So like, let me reopen this specific spreadsheet 
in a numbers window alongside this specific website in Safari. So like the ability to quickly recreate a specific space. And that can be powered by shortcuts or it can be a native system feature. I don't care as long as it becomes something that we can do. Yeah, those changes sound great. For me personally, I think the biggest change that I would like to see is not it's not entirely for me. It's more just something that I think would be helpful for the iPad as a whole and for lots of other iPad users is some tweaks to just exactly how users can engage multitasking. So right now you use drag and drop to move app icons into different parts of the screen and you'll see that they kind of change shapes to indicate what's going to happen when you drop those icons, whether they're going to go into a split view, um, whether they're going to be open and slide over. And if you are a power user who kind of learns the system and knows how it works, then it works okay. But I'd like to see it become even more user-friendly. So one idea that I had recently as I was thinking about this is um, after Apple released iOS 11, with drag and drop for the first time, uh, one of the most innovative apps in their implementation of drag and drop was Bear, the note-taking app. Uh, and what the developers of Bear did is they, they made it work such that if you drag a, a note, for example, you start dragging a note, then this thing called a drop bar appears on screen. Yes. And it's kind of a little floating bar that appears on top of everything else and you can drop the note that you're holding onto that drop bar. And when you do that, it will present a list of a bunch of different actions that you can do with that note. Um, this works with one note. You can do it with multiple notes. If you're dragging multiple notes at once, you can drop them onto the drop bar, and then you get all these different actions available to you. I wonder if Apple could do something similar with multitasking, where rather than the way things work right now, where if you start dragging an app icon, depending on where you move it on the screen, you'll see it changes shapes and that kind of indicates what's going to happen with it. Um, I wonder if they could come up with sort of a drop bar type system where there's a very clear, maybe horizontal bar along the bottom of the screen that appears whenever you start dragging an app and you see the different options just right there in that bar. So maybe there's a little glyph that indicates, oh, drop it here, and it will be in the left side of a split view. Drop it here, and it'll be in the right side of a split view. Drop it here, and it'll be in slide over. Drop it here, and it'll be full screen. Um, I think it'd be really interesting if Apple could kind of take that idea from Bear and make it very clear what's going to happen when you move that app icon into a specific space um, and, and do it in such a way that I think would be friendly to not just power users, but even casual users of the iPad, that they could, you know, when they start dragging an app, they see that little drop bar and they see the glyphs that are very clear that indicate what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think it'd be a really interesting system. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that same idea from Bear would work with multitasking as a whole. I think it might. Um, and, you know, the way things are now is fine. But again, it's just not super user friendly. You, you really need to know how it works. You really need to master the, the art mm -hmm. of, oh, okay, if I drag it in this little part of the screen, then this is what's yeah. going to happen. It's very complicated. And if you learn it, then it's fine. But I think Apple could do a lot to make it simpler. 
Yeah, in fact, I believe it's a complaint that I raised in my review of iOS 11. So that's uh, over two years ago at this point. The fact that there's so little visual differentiation between when you're dropping an icon and it activates split view or slide over. Like you gotta, essentially, you gotta take a look at the shading of the window and the rounded corners of the of the tile that you're about to drop it's it's a very um unintuitive uh visual communication aid and i totally agree apple could stand to make something that is so much more intuitive so much more clear visually speaking and i also want to mention about multitasking i agree with all of that i would also love to see some attention dedicated to keyboard users so, for example, I want to be able to add an, an, a specific, an, an different app to an existing space, or whether it's a split view or full screen space, via search and the keyboard. This is an idea that I believe CGP Grey shared a couple of years ago on the Cortex podcast here on, here on Relay FM. Um, just let me search. That's already possible. You can hit command search. With keyboard connected to the iPad, and you're going to be able to search, type the name of an, of an app, select the app with the arrow keys, and then add some new keyboard combinations to perform actions on the selected app. And I could imagine that in like three seconds, I would be able to search for, say, mail, select mail, and drop it to the left or drop it to the right of a split view, and without ever leaving, you know, ever leaving the keyboard with my hands, without ever having to touch the screen. Uh, so that would be nice. And I also, I would love to be able to see all of my open windows, uh, so expose, as it's called in iPadOS currently, without touching the screen. Again, let me use the keyboard and keyboard shortcuts to see all my open windows, and let me cycle through my open windows from the keyboard, again, without having to touch the screen. Um, Apple has gotten a lot better in terms of supporting external keyboard and keyboard shortcuts over the past couple of years, but there's still so much more they could do, especially because they make the smart keyboard. They sell the iPad Pro, and one of the key selling points is that you can use the smart keyboard uh, via the smart connector. So it's, you know, it's, it's only reasonable that the company that makes a keyboard makes keyboard support better in the iPad software. Um, you mentioned Ryan drag and drop as a as a complement to to multitasking. I will add to that, which is not surprising because this is one of my this is sort of my white whale <laughs> that I've been chasing for the past several years. I really do think there should be some kind of call it a shelf or call it a clipboard manager, but some way for users to drag something, anything, really, and drop it in a temporary location um, you know, that, that is available system-wide. Uh, I'm thinking of utilities like Yoink, for example, on the Mac, something that's always available right there, and you can drag a URL or a document or some text or a photo, and you can park it there for a few minutes, and then when you need it again, you can take it back and drop it somewhere else. If only because I think the drag-and-drop framework on iPadOS is vastly underutilized at the moment. Yes, it's great that you can drag-and-drop things between apps, but 
the current model requires you to always know beforehand what you're going to do with an item that you're dragging. And that's because it's a, it's a start-to-end process. There's no middle step. There's no parking spot where you can say, I'm going to drag something. I'm going to leave it right here until I decide, I decide what I need to do or until I pre- prepare the destination app for what I'm about to do. And then I'm going to take it back and drop it. Um, right now, if you want to drag and drop, you got to start and end with the same gesture. Yes, you can um, keep something uh, under your finger as you're dragging and perform something else with your other hand, but that's really inconvenient. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's remarkable from a technical standpoint, but it's inconvenient, practically speaking. And so I really do believe that there should be some kind of shelf, some kind of clipboard manager that lets you drop anything there uh, and, and take it back later. Would you use something like that, Ryan? I would use it. I don't think that it's as important to me as it is to you. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm missing this vital piece of, you know, iPadOS interface. Um, I do think I'd use it if it were there, but not having it there, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I can um, see that. So, my next wish you mentioned a couple things related to the keyboard, and mine is just a very simple. I don't know why you haven't fixed it yet, Apple, but you've made lots of other cool stuff. So thank you for that. But uh, the way that things work in iPadOS when you have a connected keyboard is that you've got the little keyboard row at the bottom of the screen, which is great. A bunch of apps have different shortcuts that you can, you know, access different, you know, menu items and things like that from that keyboard row. But what happens is that often the keyboard row will cover up parts of an app's interface, especially, for example, a tab bar. So let's say I've got a couple of apps in split view, and one of them is my main writing app, and I'm typing away, but then I want to do something in the app that's next to it. I've got a keyboard row on screen because I'm typing in Ulysses, but then, for example, maybe I have photos next to it because I'm working on kind of the screenshots and images for the article that I'm writing. Well, if photos is in the compact kind of display size where it's just taking up a third of the screen, then it's got a tab bar at the bottom of the screen. And that tab bar is typically obscured by the keyboard row. And this is not just a problem with photos. This is a problem with just about any app that has important interface elements at the bottom of the display. Uh, the keyboard row will cover those up. And it would be great if iPadOS could just adapt itself to make sure that the keyboard row doesn't cover up important, you know, tabs or other important interface elements, because it's just really annoying for me having to constantly hit that kind of down arrow in the bottom right corner of the keyboard row to dismiss that so that I can actually see the tab bar and you know, make the selection that I need to. Uh, it's a really small thing. I hope Apple fixes it this year because it's it's a bit of a pain. Yeah, yeah, I can. I I know what you mean. That's very very annoying. Um, files. I need to mention files. Um, I am grateful that we now have a proper file manager. I also think it's about time that Apple put some 
serious time into updating files from from you know from a reliability perspective and also from a um, power user feature perspective. Um, I still have serious issues with files. I'm an iCloud Drive user. I use um, iCloud Drive as much as possible these days. Essentially, my Dropbox usage uh, now consists of shared folders with other people. If anything, because iCloud Drive still does not offer shared folders, the feature has been delayed to some point in 2020, I think. Um, So I use iCloud Drive a lot. I like iCloud Drive and the fact that it's always there. It syncs with the Finder and all of that. But especially since iOS and iPadOS 13 this summer, and this issue still persists in the latest uh, 13.3 version, so many times I need to quit files and files-compatible apps because I tap on a folder and all I see is a spinner icon in the middle of the screen and the message loading and nothing else, like no files and no folders. Uh, because it gets stuck. But my files are there. They're often downloaded offline even, but the files view just doesn't load. And this was an issue before. It's gotten worse with 13 this year. So, and my friend Mike, for example, he always mentions how sometimes you tap on a file in the files app and you see the download. So the iCloud icon that says this file needs to be downloaded it starts spinning, but then it keeps spinning, even if it's like a one megabyte document or something super small. Um, so all these issues, these reliability issues, I think they should be looked after. They should be fixed um, soon as possible. But also in terms of actual features, personally speaking, I would love to see deeper integration with shortcuts and the home screen. A uh, few weeks ago, a few months ago, here on, Ad- on Adapt, we discussed the challenge that you assigned to me, uh, being able to create home screen shortcuts for uh, files and folders, and I came up with FS Bookmarks, a shortcut that is also like a hybrid shortcuts and scriptable setup that lets you create shortcuts for files and folders in the Files app. But to make that possible, I needed to go through an entire process of uh, you know, using JavaScript in Scriptable to understand how the file system works in iOS and iPadOS. That's not ideal. That should be a native feature. It should be the files app should let you create shortcuts, quick access shortcuts to reopen a document or a folder and put that shortcut anywhere, uh, whether it's a widget or an icon on your home screen. That should really be a native feature. It's something that the Finder has offered for decades on the Mac, I want to say. So it should totally be a, a native feature, especially with the new iPadOS home screen. And also in terms of shortcuts, I think it's, 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 uh, at this point, it is an absurd situation that third-party apps like Scriptable have deeper access to the files framework using native Apple APIs. So one team at Apple makes these APIs. A third-party developer like Simon Strovering with Scriptable uses them and lets you access any folder of the you know of of the files app and iCloud Drive, but shortcuts doesn't. <laughs> so it's it's this w- uh, sort of an odd um, limitation of shortcuts that it's still limited to its own iCloud Drive folder under iCloud Drive slash shortcuts. 
if you want to automate any other folder in shortcuts you can't uh, you got to show you got to interact manually with the document picker with a with a window on screen so that there should be better integration with shortcuts and files um and i would add to that that apple should borrow um other ideas from the finder for macOS better search uh, search has gotten better in files uh, lately but it could still you know implement a lot of features from the mac and how it lets you filter by name by file type by modification dates and other criteria smart folders again based on deeper search functionalities more view options i think it's great that on the ipad we can now choose between grid list and column view there should be more freedom in terms of how you can customize these views and how you can uh, specify a view for a specific folder and another view for another folder or file provider, for example. Quick actions, I think it's, again, I think it's great that we have a, uh, an inspector view with column view on the iPad in, in iPad S13. Let me put some custom quick actions in there. So uh, it's really the same feature that Apple has offered in the Finder since Mojave last year. Let me create quick actions for files using shortcuts. It's the perfect op opportunity. Let me create my own extensions that I can use right there in the files app. So, um, yeah, I use files a lot, especially when it's <laughs> when it's tax season, and so I'm managing a lot of PDF documents, a lot of folders and subfolders, and all that. And I really could use deeper automation and and more Mac-like features. And I think Apple can do it because the iPad Pro is a, is a a computer so why not yeah my next wish is mainly just highlighting what you've already said uh specifically as relates to the home screen last episode we talked about my ipad home screen and a couple of the aspects of that were having files and folders and then having different shortcuts and i wish that those things were more native and worked even better so i'd love to be able to add files and folders to the home screen without even having to create shortcuts. Um, if, you know, if I could do it in shortcuts easier without using scriptable, without using FS bookmarks, which you came up with, uh, just make it easier, that'd be great. And then with shortcuts specifically, being able to run them without opening the full shortcuts app, which we've mm -hmm. talked about before. Uh, you know, if I am running a specific shortcut that does something where I don't need to interact with the full app itself, you know, if there could be some type of UI that pops up inside or just right off the home screen, sort of like if you're running a shortcut in Siri, you get the special Siri UI. Apple yeah. could adapt that to something that just kind of overlays the home screen so you don't have to see the full shortcuts app. I think that would be really nice. I would love that. I think it would be really nice if you could just run it from there. And also, I think it would be nice if from the extension, when you run a shortcut from the share sheet, do you really have to see all the actions uh, and the shortcuts editor uh, if you just want to run a shortcut? I know that it, like, I get why they want to show you what's happening, but also it can be a little discouraging for new users to see all this code running when you just want to run a shortcut. And so I think it would be nice if maybe give me an option, you know, to like, do you want to see the shortcuts editor when when you when you're running a shortcut from the share sheet? Because also, um. All that animation that goes on, like showing you each step of a shortcut from top to bottom, that requires 
time. And in fact, so many times a shortcut is faster to run if you don't open the shortcuts editor. In the shortcuts app, if you tap on a shortcut in the library from the main grid view, you'll see that because the shortcuts app does not have to load every single animation going top to bottom from every action, the shortcut, it doesn't seem faster. It is faster to run because there's no UI to load. And so let me choose to not see the editor UI, the top to bottom execution flow, when I run a shortcut from the share sheet. I think that would be lovely. Uh, let's talk about hardware because I also have some, some thoughts in that department, Ryan. Um, what are your thoughts on two USB-C ports on the iPad Pro? I think Apple should do it. I, mm. Personally, and we'll get into this a little bit as we talk through my challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> personally, I don't really need two USB-C ports. I mean, I barely need one. I just need it for charging. Um, but for a device that is meant to be a computer replacement for lots of users, for a device that's meant to do more than a standard iPad, it should have a, one more port than a standard iPad. And I, I know that um, some of the kind of origin stories that you hear around the development of the iPad, it sounds like if I, you know, if the stories are correct, the rumors are correct, that at one point the iPad did have two, um, you know, 30 pin connectors. And then, at, you know, later in the development process, they went down to one. For the iPad Pro, it should have two. I think it's it's pretty simple. I, I don't know how they're going to do that, you know, engineering-wise, but the, this device needs another port for lots of users, and so I think they should do it. Well, then I'm glad we agree. Uh, yes, they should do it. Uh, I could even go for, I mean, ideally, and this is actually one of my next points, uh, my next points, um, I do believe that Apple should have faster charging, so increase the wattage of the USB-C ports. I believe right now the iPad the iPad Pro charges at about 30 watts. It should be a 60-watt USB-C port. So that means faster uh, charging, but also it requires a, a usually bigger and more powerful um, brick uh, char you know, charger. Um, but you know, it would also help a lot in terms of charging the iPad Pro from zero to a hundred percent battery. Um, and I could go with like, give me one sixty watt USB C port, and the other is like a low power data only USB C port. I could go with that, but ideally they should be interchangeable, like on the MacBook Pro, essentially. Um, I cannot wait to see the new display tech. So there's a new rumor going around that that Apple will use mini LED uh, as a display technology for the 2020 iPad Pro. And I'm really curious to see what that's like, because in theory, it should bring all the benefits of OLED to the iPad Pro, but at a much bigger, you know, with a much bigger footprint with a technology that is even better than OLED. Um, I can see, funny because I can see the difference in terms of color reproduction between my iPhone 11 Pro and the iPad Pro, which is still using an LCD display. Uh, so the true black and the vivid colors, they could all benefit from, from, a, from an OLED-like technology. And if mini-LED means an even thinner display, uh, maybe Apple, Apple could do something where the iPad Pro doesn't get thinner, but they can stuff a bigger battery in it uh, so it, that it can last even more. So that would be interesting to see. Um, I want to see new accessories from Apple. 
I think it's time that Apple tries something weird and new with the iPad Pro line. Give me multiple versions of the smart keyboard. Maybe one is backlit. Maybe one has a trackpad. Because Apple has seen all the excitement surrounding the bridge keyboard and all the and all the copycats of the bridge keyboard. Um, you know, people obviously want to be able to use the iPad Pro as a laptop, but also they want to be able to use them um, to use it as an as a tablet when it's not needed in a laptop configuration. So why shouldn't Apple make multiple kinds of keyboards for all kinds of users? After all, they make uh, multiple iPhone models. They make multiple. Uh, Headphone models, they have, you know, the AirPods line has, has three versions available or something. Um, why not the same for iPad accessories? But we could go even beyond that. Shouldn't Apple make us a, a, like a vertical stand for the iPad? I mean, why not? Why leave room for other companies to make a key accessory to the iPad workflow when you can make one? and maybe have it be more integrated or more elegant. Uh, I just want to see Apple get, get a little weird with iPad accessories. Go beyond, you know, yes, there's a smart keyboard, and yes, there's a smart cover. Those are great. And, I mean, I, I'm a smart keyboard convert myself. We've talked about this before. But I also think it's time for something new. Maybe there could be a new Magic Keyboard, uh, which I absolutely love, but maybe there could be a new Magic Keyboard version that is iPad-specific. So a new Bluetooth keyboard by Apple that has iPad-specific media keys or something like that. Uh, in, in general, I just want to see Apple be a little more original and, and weird and unexpected in terms of accessories. And um, this is sort of hardware-related, but um, I hope that Apple has gathered lots of feedback in 2019 about mouse support in iPadOS 13, and I hope that in 2020 we get the real deal. So not an accessibility feature, which is great, by the way. I think it's awesome that that Apple is enable, has enabled all kinds of users to use um, external input devices with the Assistive Touch framework. But I also think for power users, there should be the real thing. So let me plug in a USB or Bluetooth mouse, and without having to enable the accessibility option, let me have a real cursor and let me have an iPadOS UI that actually reacts to a cursor being plugged in. And that means uh, features like hover states. So when you hover over something, you can see a tooltip or maybe the icon changes color, you know, stuff that we're used to seeing on, on the Mac. Um, and that means new APIs for developers to support. And that means creating an all-new market for iPad-specific external input devices, whether they are mice or trackpads. Um, so yeah, I, I guess you could say I want to see Apple invest more and believe more in the ecosystem of accessories surrounding the iPad Pro because I think it's great that Apple makes the, the, like the basics, the tablet, the cover, and the smart keyboard, but I also think they must have seen uh, this ecosystem of third-party accessories that has sort of sprung up around the iPad. And maybe they should do something about it. Yeah, I want to piggyback off the keyboard specifically because in general, I'm really happy with the smart keyboard. I've used it for years. But even if Apple doesn't create some alternate, more power user-friendly keyboard with backlighting and all that, if only they could add some function keys at the top, which yes. I, I don't really 
care about you know the actual function key, but I want actions that do specific things. I want media playback controls. I want volume control. I want, uh, ideally, buttons that engage different aspects of multitasking, that open expose. Um, it would be really great if there were some extra buttons that were programmable. So similar to how right now with the accessibility option for pointing devices, you can set different shortcuts to run when you click certain mouse buttons. If you could do that with a keyboard, that would be really nice. And I feel like Apple has room on the existing smart keyboard folio to add just a, a really short, you know, row of, of buttons above the number row. I think they could do it. I think they should do it. And it would be really great. So please, Apple, <laughs> change the smart keyboard just a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I I, I want all of that. Um, is there anything else that we want to see in 2020? I mean, besides... and. But, you know, personally, I just, again, as I mentioned, I just want to see a new vision for the iPad. I just want to see, I want to I wanna see why it needed to be called iPadOS, why it needed to be split from iOS, and I want to see what's going to happen in the next decade of, uh, of iPad. Maybe, I mean, I, I, I don't think that Apple should just come right out and say, here's what we're going to do in the next 10 years, but maybe give us hints of where the iPad is going then just say, yeah, well, here's a new iPad model for you and the software is not really changing this year, sorry. Show me con you know, a continuation of what you did last year with iPadOS. Um, but is there anything else uh, specifically about iPad, Ryan, that you would like to see next year? Yeah, the last thing I want to mention is just that I want more consistency regarding apps that support multi-window. So mm. Apple has done a really good job of adding multi-window support to lots of its apps. And I was actually even surprised this past week I was playing around with the different apps that do and don't support it. I was surprised to find that Maps supports multi-window, which is nice. Um, I was surprised that uh, I was testing Calendar. And maybe I'm wrong here, but in the past, even though Calendar did support multi-window, I think when I was testing it that if you would have different calendar windows and then you changed which calendars were being displayed, um, that it would change across all the windows. So you couldn't have different settings per window on which calendars you have displayed. Um, but I was testing it just now on iPadOS 13.3 and it, it works. You can have different calendars displayed in different windows. And maybe it's always been that way and maybe I just ran into a bug when I tried it in the past. But that's really great. Now I just want Apple to go even further and be consistent across all their apps, or at least all the apps that merit it. I mean, maybe settings doesn't need multi-window. I mean, I wouldn't complain if it had it, but, but there's a few specific apps that I really want to see multi-window added. One is Apple News. Um, I use Apple News a lot, and it seems like it's just as important for Apple News to have multi-window as it is for Safari to have multi-window because you're reading similar content. So if you want to have multiple you know, articles open in separate windows. Why isn't there multi-window for news? Uh, photos is another one. It would be great to have photos available in multiple windows. And then the App Store. Um, maybe the App Store one wouldn't apply to that many people. Maybe I'm, you know, kind of in the niche of users who, because I write about apps, I would appreciate having multiple App Store windows open at once. Um, but if Apple just made it more consistent so that you know that if you're going to use an Apple app on the iPad, then it will support multi-window. Uh, I think that's 
just, you know, they've done a really good job. They just need to go a little bit further to take it all the way. Okay, so that's a lot of uh, <laughs> that's a lot of wishes that we have for the iPad in 2020. We'll see how it goes. I'm optimistic, um, uh, even though I think we'll probably hear about this in June at WWDC. Um, I, I do not expect uh, an event before that. Happy to be surprised, but I think it's going to be WWDC. So, Ryan, you had a challenge assigned uh, from two weeks ago. I asked you, and this is perfect for this week's uh, topic, I asked you to find a use case for external storage connected to your iPad Pro. Um, I had a feeling that you were not going to rely on external storage because I know you don't have like you don't have an, a DSLR, like you, you don't, you know, you take pictures with your iPhone, so you don't really need a, a SD cards and all of that. Uh, but still, I figure, you know, why not? Maybe it's going to find something or maybe it's going to discover some interesting apps that are worth a mention with uh, with external drive support. So how did this go? Yeah, you you were right. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I gave it a try um, and I, discovered what I you know would have guessed which is that I really don't need external storage in my life and I know that there are good use cases for some people um, for me in particular I just I, you know I'm I'm living that all wireless future as as Apple has been touting for years and for me at least it's finally here um, and and honestly like the one situation that I can think of where it would be useful for me, to have external storage is maybe if I'm working with someone else um, or I'm working with kind of a legacy system where let's say I'm presenting at a conference and I need to, you know, get my, my keynote presentation to someone um, like need to plug it in or I, I don't know, something along those lines, or maybe I'm working with someone on windows who's using a PC and I want to transfer files to them really easily. And I can't use AirDrop. I mean, I could email them potentially. It depends on how big they are. If they're really big, then I can't do that. And so there are situations, not necessarily for me specifically, but um, for just kind of what I see as the average user who maybe, like you said, doesn't have a DSLR, doesn't do professional you know, video work, phot- photography, because those are cases that I could see being really useful, right? If, if you're working with large video or, or photo files and you quickly need to transfer those files from one device to another, then absolutely, you know, external storage is, I'm sure, a must for you. But for everyone else, at least for, I can't say everyone else, that's, that's a broad generalization. But, but for me and, and people who are in a similar situation, they, they not doing that professional you know, work in video and photos, there's not that many uses. And and the one that I mentioned, uh, or the couple that I mentioned, where you're kind of working with other people who maybe are using Windows, using PCs, and you're trying to transfer files, the iPad Pro specifically isn't even great for that scenario because the iPad Pro is now on USB-C. And most likely, if you're working with people who have like a legacy system or who are running windows on a pc they in most cases they won't have usb-c they'll have usb-a and so you you got to get a dongle and it's just it's just not ideal 
the way that things are right now. I'm glad that Apple supports USB devices finally on the iPad. I, I definitely think it's a few years too late because the, the usefulness is not there as much these days. Um, I guess it fits that as the iPad is continuing to go down kind of a pro-focused route that now pros can use external storage and, and they actually need it. So that's great. But for the average user plugging in, you know, a thumb drive, I don't think that the way, you know, things work currently where you've got a USB-C port on the iPad Pro and then most other kind of older systems, um, older PCs for people who aren't very techy, who aren't very, you know, aren't computer nerds, then they probably have USB-A and so there's an incompatibility issue there. It's just not, it's just not a great situation. Um, and for me personally, I, I don't have a use for it. Um, I did try out some different apps like you asked me to do. And so because, as I said, I think that USB and, and just external storage devices are the most uh, valuable for people working with video or photo, I tested some apps along those lines. So uh, Pixelmator Photo is one that I tried, which it works really great with external storage devices uh, because Pixelmator Photo uses Apple's document browser, uh, which is essentially a files view as its main interface. So when you open the app, it, it kind of looks like you're looking at files. You'll see all your various file providers from iCloud Drive or to Dropbox and whoever else you have. Um, but because they use Apple's system, it works really great with external storage. And uh, the app has been updated somewhat recently to make it to where you can edit files, whether they are stored in Dropbox, Google Drive, um, depending on the file provider. I haven't tested all of them, and certain file providers with files work better with certain APIs. So, um, But with external storage, you can access your USB drive right there in the app and make edits to photos stored on whatever that external storage device is without having to duplicate the photo into Pixelmator Photo. It can make edits to the originals in place, which is really great. Um, I tested Darkroom, which is another popular photo editing app, uh, and it did not work as well. You can import photos into Darkroom, but you're making a copy. So you can't edit the originals on the external storage device. Hopefully that will change at some point in the future. Uh, LumaFusion, which is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, the absolute best video editor on the iPad. Uh, LumaFusion has a feature where you can link folders. I think it might be taking advantage of file bookmarking APIs, uh, folder bookmarks. I don't know exactly how they're doing it behind the scenes, but essentially you can link a folder. So you could select a folder on an external storage device and link it to LumaFusion, which means that it will show that folder inside your LumaFusion library, and it will automatically update, and you can make edits to whatever videos are stored in that folder right in place without making duplicates. So that works really, really well. Um, and then a couple others that I was looking into were uh, from Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom. They currently only let you import photos into the apps. You can't make edits in place. I'm sure that that feature is coming at some point. Um, and I know even this week, there were some updates to Lightroom that um, optimized the app for 
getting files off of SD uh, SD cards. And so I, I know that Adobe recognizes that you know pros have different workflows that you know they ideally should be able to access those photos on the external devices directly, make edits there. I'm sure Adobe's going to add these features in the future, but they haven't yet. So right now, if you're looking for photos and videos, the, the two best apps for working with external storage devices that I've tried are Pixelmator Photo and then LumaFusion for video. Um, but overall, you know, this really isn't for me. Um, I'm glad I tried it, so I got a little extra knowledge about kind of how what the current state is of USB devices on the iPad. But uh, it's just not something that I need in my life right now. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I do think that it would be interesting to reconsider all of this if, um, if pro apps like uh, something like Logic or Final Cut ever make it to the iPad Pro. But the idea of, and I mean, we've seen, for example, today with the latest Lightroom update that you now have direct SD card import so you can skip um, making copies of photos that you want to add into your Lightroom library. You can skip the, the, the copying process to create duplicates essentially in files or photos, and you can import or delete directly from an SD card. So that's very nice. And, and if Apple ever, you know, or if you see more apps like uh, video editors or uh, audio editing applications like Logic, uh, ever make it to the iPad Pro, it would be interesting to see how external storage plays into that. But um, I'm I'm still glad that you tried this because you mentioned some of the some of the very best apps for the platform at the moment in terms of professional users. So thank you for doing that, and maybe we'll revisit this challenge at some point next year. We'll see we'll see how it goes with the new iPad Pro and with the iPadOS 14. Um, it is time for hashtag AskAdapt, uh, where we answer some of the questions that our listeners send us on Twitter using the hashtag AskAdapt. Listener Rowan asks, if you were in a pro workflow group at Apple, what workflow-focused feedback would you give for iOS 14? A progress bar for copying files in the Files app would be high up on my list. Well, that sure is something that we do need. Um, is there anything you would suggest, Ryan, in terms of like key features for next year? Yeah, I mean, we've already gotten into a bunch of them, I think, earlier <laughs> I think with, with our topic. Yes. And so all of that, for sure. And then, you know, if I'm thinking about smaller things, um, Rowan mentions copying files. Another thing related to that is sometimes when you're, downloading files offline, it's really hard to tell inside the files app kind of how long it's going to take. And you mentioned kind of the the endless spinner. The, it, the app is just not informative enough to what's going on. And so that has caused me at times to just forego it entirely. Like if I'm trying to download something from Dropbox, sometimes it works and sometimes it's fine. But I've typically learned that I need to let it sit there for a while and just ignore it or else I'm going to go crazy wondering when it's going to finish. Um, but sometimes I just go to Dropbox directly and, and download the app from there. And it shouldn't be that way. Apple should make it more clear um, you know, how things or what, it, what exactly is going on at the time. Um, as far as other smaller things, I, I mean, I think just the, 
the bigger things that we mentioned regarding uh, multitasking and all the things Apple could do there. Uh, you mentioned favorite spaces. Uh, that would be great. Um, I, I think we've we've mostly covered it. Um, what what do, you, do you have anything else on your list? Um, I mean, no. I think I think that's pretty much it. The files app is the the app that needs a lot of improvements. Mail could I could probably make the same argument. There's so many features from the Mac that I still want to see in Mail for for iPad and iPhone, and specifically on the iPad, like give me more freedom in terms of like customizing the sidebar or customizing the toolbar. Um, let me create uh, smart mailboxes, so a way for me to find messages that match certain criteria. Um, there's so much more that Apple could borrow from the Mac rules. Like on the Mac, you can set up rules to automatically file your incoming email messages, and that is something that is not possible uh, on the iPad. So yeah, the some of the some of the core built-in apps they still need to achieve feature parity with their Mac counterparts. So that would probably be my my feedback for the Pro Workflow group at Apple. Um, listener um, Jan, I want to say, wants to know, is it possible to connect to an SFTP server in the Files app? And if it is possible, what URL format is required? I run a WordPress website and I always get an error when trying to connect to my SFTP server. Um, well, I think both Ryan and I would recommend uh, Secure Shellfish as the utility to connect to FTP, SFTP uh, servers in the Files app. Um, this is made by Anders Borum, is the same developer of Working Copy and it's just an excellent utility to add FTP and SFTP access to files as a file provider. As for your uh, specific issue, I think uh, this is something that I've, um, uh, that I've encountered myself before. Different servers uh, from different providers implement as, uh, FTP access differently. So whether you're using your own server, like if you have a Mac mini server set up somewhere, or if you're using like a shared hosting space, so something like DreamHost, for example, or Squarespace, for example, you need to make sure that you're entering the exact uh, FTP path correctly. And often, for example, I have a DreamHost web server and it only supports SFTP. So it doesn't, there's a toggle that says disable non-secure, non-secure FTP access but you also need to go in there and create a specific user for FTP access. So if you cannot connect, it's very likely an issue of the server that you're using has some specific FTP configurations that you're not entering correctly in the app that you're using to connect. So I would recommend Googling for you know, the, the name of the service that you're using and FTP and see if you can find some documentation that explains how you can connect to your uh, website using FTP because it doesn't really matter if you have WordPress, in WordPress installed or something else like movable, movable type, for instance. Um, WordPress is just a folder on your server. Uh, it's literally just a directory that contains a bunch of other files. So what you really need to do to get to the bottom of this is understand how the server that you're using implements FTP and what kind of credentials you need and what kind of path you need. 
Um, but usually, yes, what, what you need is your a username, a password, and the main and the domain, the, like the main server URL, which changes. It's not the same for everybody. It's not the same. It, it changes from service provider to service provider. So Google for some documentation, and I'm sure that you will find what you need. Right. We are going to hold off on more questions for now and save them for next time. Uh, as a reminder, please write in with your questions. Uh, yes. Send a tweet with the hashtag AskAdapt. And we've got a little bit of a backlog, but that's okay. We, we, you know, we have the it, holidays to catch up on. Yeah, we have the holidays. We have uh, maybe one of our New Year's resolutions is going to be to get through our AskAdapt backlog. And hopefully we're more successful than most people are with their resolutions. But that said, write in with your questions. Um, but we are going to move on to me assigning Federico a challenge. And mm. this is actually going to be the last challenge of 2019. We are going to take off uh, what we would normally do for our next episode, which is the week of Christmas. Uh, it's, I believe, December 26th. And so we're going to take that week off. We're going to take a little break. We're going to get through that Ask Adapt backlog. And then we'll be back in the new year on January 9th. So we'll take one episode off and be back January 9th. So Federico, you have extra time to work on this challenge. Um, I believe the last time that we took a break, it was your challenge as well. So you're getting extra time left and right. That's, mm-hmm. that's nice. I need to make it extra challenging, perhaps. Um, oh, my. oh, my. Okay. God. So what I would like you to do is mm. it's very, very appropriate for this time of year. I want you to create an end-of-year shortcut, which, and, and you have a lot of freedom and flexibility in what this looks like, but I want you to create an end-of-year shortcut that kind of quantifies different aspects of a person's year, um, or more specifically, uh, hmm. a year for you. Um, so it might include things like time tracking. It might include things like, I don't know, tasks that were completed or calendar events or maybe... Uh, great photos uh it again you kind of do whatever you want to do with it it could be more of a you know go down memory lane and look at you know what you did at these times of year or it could be here's some you know hard data about kind of what your year looked like from a work standpoint whatever it may be just be creative come up with some sort of end of year shortcut for yourself and uh, we will talk about that on the next episode very interesting. That's fun. Uh, always up to the challenge for shortcuts. I have some ideas. I already know that uh, completed tasks will be a problem because I'm one of those people who clears their completed reminders. Oh, so interesting. So, okay. Unfortunately, those are gone, but we'll talk about it. I have other ideas for things that I can uh, sort of collect or find and put together in a shortcut at the end of the year. So this is fun. It's going to take a lot of work, but this is fun. All right. Well, this has been episode 15 of Adapt. Uh, to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 15, or simply look in the podcast app you're listening in right now. To follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter is at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter is at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. We're both writing at maxstories.net. Uh, until the new year, Federico, I know we'll be talking between now and then, but for Adapt at least, until then, say goodbye. Arrivederci and Happy New Year. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year.